every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number 2, and oil and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, you've landed at the right place. This is the V8 Salute Podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care, available at Repco in Australia and New Zealand, as well as a range of other auto stores. I'm Aaron Noonan, and on this episode of the pod, I'm going to continue my chat with 2013 Bathurst winner and 2015 Supercars champion, Mark Winterbottom. Now, if you missed part one, jump back and have a listen at some stage. Frosty was in great form with some really great stories and insight as well. So let's delve into part two now. And we pick up the chat talking about a topic that I reckon is really interesting. One of the great rivalries of the modern era of supercars racing, Frosty and Jamie Winker. I think you'll enjoy this. So buckle up, settle in and enjoy Mark Winterbottom on the V8 Sleuth podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care. I wanted to ask too that the, the Winker Winterbottom thing... Yeah, long time rivalry, carts, Formula Ford, inner V8s. About now at this period, you're you know, you've done a couple of years at FPR, he's done a couple of years at Triple Eight. You're not the understudies to a, a Bridie or a Richo in a lounge. You're actually, you know, stars of your own right. Oh eight, it steps up another notch again. I think there was a there was a bit of a run in at Adelaide there where he dive bombed you and dinged you in the door to get the win on the Saturday. But there was a it's always been Holden and Ford, but everyone forgets the Ford v Ford or the Holden v Holden, yep. and they were still Ford Triple Eight yep. at the time. So tell me about that Wink Cup winner bottom rivalry because that that just flowed right through that whole period. Which I think we're going to look back on that a bit further down the track as a really great rivalry of, of Australian supercar racing. Um, it's funny because uh, actually he was probably in line to get the Tickford role, and I was probably in line to get the Triple Eight role. History through, could have been a bit different through Campbell. Um, and I remember doing an interview with uh, with Campbell and Ludo actually, um, and he did one with Tickford. But Ford back then was very um, very involved, so they would put the drivers. You know, they they that was so like so good in invested in the sport that they they were unbelievable actually, and they could say, okay, well I think you're a better fit here, and you're a bit better fit there, and they kind of swapped us, and that's how it how it worked out, which. Um, you know, which was great because, uh, you know, he found his feet at Triple Eight, and I found my feet at Tickford, and everyone's happy. You know, so it worked mm. out quite well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's funny our rivalry. I was from Sydney, race go karts, and was getting wins up there. He was in Victoria and getting wins down here. And it's funny, um, you know, Sydney Victoria rivalry is quite a still the thing, <laughs> still, still going. The thing. But uh, but in karting, it's funny. Like I. I probably towed him up to be honest, um, week in, week out. 
but no one watches it, no one knows. And then in supercars, he he uh, has the championships to say that he did a better job here. So um, I've got a few videos if anyone wants to watch. Bring them on. Them. We've got a whole social media <laughs> yeah. channel and YouTube channel that just but, uh, is crying out for a bit of that. But no, he, um, you know, it was it was good. And and it's funny, like when you're kids, it means as much. Those go kart races mean more than anything. And it's 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 funny when you look back. It's like, you know, you, how much you wanted. Or how much you want Bathurst is how much you wanted that Victorian state title or whatever. It's, it's, you blokes all still talk about those karting races more than anything. Yeah. Anything else you've done in supercars, I reckon. Yeah, and it, it means a lot. But um, yeah, and then we raced from the Ford and uh, and then yeah into supercars. So um, yeah, as a rivalry that I think uh, you know we both are two completely different people on how we approach you know even with life and everything. Mm. Like you're two different people, so. Um, in two different teams and, yeah, whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, it's good rivalry to um, definitely, yeah, good, good rivalry. The next few years of Bathurst continue to test the Frosty Richo FPR patience. So we've got, I think, in 08, again, you start up the front, you're running second with Richo, a couple laps to go, the rear tyres basically just <laughs> sign off, they're done. He's sliding everywhere. Murph grabs him, Courtney grabs him. You're not even on the podium. Yep. Two laps to go. It's it's out. You're fourth. I think it was the next year, 09. That was the one with a battery. Was it a, a loose battery? What was that all about? I'm trying to remember all <laughs> yeah. that. I, I was in the pit lane that race for Channel 7 and you come in on fire and I remember reporting back, Frosty's on fire. <laughs> like, yeah, he's going really well. Yeah. Like, no, 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 he's on fire. Yeah. He's actually on fire. It's um, it's funny actually. That, that 08 um, – I remember Richo because we had brake dramas too. Actually, there was a lot going on. That's what people don't see. I love the behind the scenes. Yeah. This is where you got to let it out. But yeah. pe- people don't see. But we had ma- like massive brake fade issues that day. They were cooking and glazing, and were having dramas. And they kind of probably lost faith in me at the end, given I'd barreled off at the chase the year before. So they're like, "Right, oh, Richo, um, we'll let Frosty do the the chunk in the middle, and we'll give you the end stint." And and he's like, "No, no, no." I remember because Richo's very no ego at all. So he's mm. like, no, nah, like, but it ended up being that he got in at the end. And I remember him coming in so disappointed, um, going, you know, I'm really sorry, you know, I'll let you guys down. And I'm like, mate, at least you didn't barrel through the chase at 280k now and uh, literally rip the wheel off it. So I think we're even and I think you're still in front. So let's just calm that down right now. And he, <laughs> he had a laugh and I would have broke dance, but I can't. But, um, but you know, he had a laugh and... Um, but you know he, he took it on pretty heavy that 08 and it was he actually did a really good job with what was the wheels were literally falling off it and mm. you know there was he did a good job to bring it home to then 09 um, was when we used to run cool suits helmet fans um, windscreen wipers everything was drawing a lot of power out of the battery and uh, yeah if they, they made a battery system where they would have a spare one so if we needed to change battery, um, out comes the other one, in goes the new one, strap it over, boom, off you go. It was a very rushed um, piece of engineering to get on, hoping we didn't need it. Lap, whatever it was, 30, 40, whatever it was, alternator, 12.4 volts, it's dropping, 11.7, whatever, it's dropping, 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 alerts on the dash. It's like, yep, no dramas, we've got this battery system. It'll be fine. Yeah, holler for a marshal in you come. <laughs> and, uh, and, Pulled up and um, opened the boot, bang, battery out, new battery in. But obviously when things are done quickly, you need a quick system to do it. And this was just a strap that went over the top. But 
didn't have a bracket system that supported it to going side to side well enough. So it was fine for up and down, but it's... So it was fine yeah. going up and down, but not side to side. So it was like having a full bag of groceries in the back of the 4 by 4 and just going hard through the corners and you could hear the dunk, 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 dunk. And I'm like... This ain't going to last 100 There's laps. something in the boot. They're like, no, 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 we can't see any warnings. It's like, perfect, we're good. To then it went bang, like bang. And then under acceleration, there's no fire. As soon as you lift, boom, up it went. So coming out of uh, coming out of Forest Elbow, it was boom, went up in flames. And I went, shit, I'm on fire and did the same thing actually. And Campbell, in his um, dryness of all dryness, he goes, mate, your lap times are okay, but let's fucking calm down a bit and press on. It was like, okay, but I'm literally on Not fire. Not what I meant. I'm on fire and there's a big golf around me. And then when I was flat, the car was on TV because then they grab it, the comment, boom, Car's not on fire, mate. Like, because when I was flat, it went out. At the chase, boom. <laughs> hey, your car's on fire. You better bring it in. It's like perfect. And yeah, got in. And um, but obviously, like rule one, I won at Bathurst, and is get back to pit lane because the crew you have sometimes it's unfixable. They fix it, and you go. So it was like a bit of race tape or something over the fuel line. We're on. <laughs> like it's a couple of zippy tires. Very like, optimistic. Yeah, we we can fix this. Um, but then obviously the day was over. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, so heartbreak. And Richo in the garage, um, I didn't have to say sorry to him for that one and he didn't have to say sorry to me, so we're on good terms then. Uh, and, um, yeah, just a, just a really tough day. That was FG first time. That was the first year that the FG had, had come on to play. And we've been able to go back through a lot of the debrief documents from that time uh, as part because we're doing a book this year on the 20th anniversary and all the cars and all the history. Uh, you do pop up in it just a little bit, obviously. <laughs> but you talked about the brakes at 08, but there, there was like a brake fade thing in that whole period. What was the whole thing? Because I remember Richo struggling with brakes there for a time too. That really did his head in as well. Yeah, just um, just we used to run uh, – the, the way Bridie actually set the car up is very front-biased braking, um, like percentages forward, like that was how we did it. So we required – a lot of, um, you know, a lot of emphasis was on leaning on the front and using the front, um, which for Bathurst with rotor changes and all that sort of stuff you can get away with. But back then it wasn't, I don't think a rotor changes and that wasn't even a thing. So we kind of, and then we had water sprays and there was all these sort of gimmicky things that you could run to try and fudge it a bit. Um, but, yeah, we, we the way the car was, we required a lot of front bias to the point where, you know, a Tickford car might be running uh, 65% front bias to a triple eight car might be running 52 or 53, you know, like it's, we're talking Big 10% for the forward, but that's how that car worked and it was fast. So normally the way you set a race car up is make it fast, then make it last. That's kind of, um, but those big long races, uh, without safety cars and under green and jammed up behind cars and you'd blank them up for aero and it was because of a flow-on effect from from mm. those things. Mm. 2010, driver rules change. So you're not allowed to have Richo. You can't have Richo because you're not allowed to pair up and the rules have stayed the same ever since. Are you a fan or not, by the way, of that? Um, Would you like to see us go back to paired uh, up, you know, multiple liveries, all that? Yeah, pros and cons. I think um, – You don't love Scott Pye enough? <laughs> no, it's got nothing to do with him, <laughs> but it's pros and cons. I think having 25 genuine chances of winning the race is what – people who buy tickets for should see, you know, that um, that 
anyone can win really in this year in particular, you know, with the cars mm. the way they are, um, because all it does is half the chances of winning in, in some respect that team the two guys up. But then the, the cons are that sometimes you put a young guy in and um, he pops in the top 10 and we, we see it with wild cards a little bit trying to do it, mm. but, um, but you know, that's, that's the cons of it. So I think it's better now how it is um, having 25 genuine chances um but you know i I like either way i think they both have pros and cons Mm. yep agree agree i do like the whole how we used to have it because i like that you got a different take for those races you know teams would merge all the teams that used to bark that they couldn't run their bikes together because they had different sponsors (laughs) they all found a way to do it whether it was marcus (laughs) and russell or it was you and richo and orcon and castrol and and i love that those liveries were unique too but anyway that's just me that's just me (laughs) So Bathurst continues to frustrate here. So 2010, I think Luke Gildon has a, a tie go down. He's in the fence at the cutting. Um, you get Richo back for the next couple of years because he's no longer a full-timer. You're fourth in 11. Uh, in 2012, I think you were 11th or something like that um, with the Moffat retro car. So it's still it's still evading. Mm-hmm. But you guys were like 12, you and Will Davison, real strong, 11 strong through the year and winning lots of races, but Bathurst wasn't clicking into all that. Well, 2010 was probably the year to win too, to be honest. Um, and that was the next year you had the pole. So I qualified pole there, yeah. yep. And um, we're fast, like really fast, but we're at a sequence because um, I started and and Triple uh, Eight always ran their co-driver to start. And, um, and yeah, I were leading the race actually and, and Carl was fast, like Carl was really good and – I remember just saying to Luke, hey, just just cruise, mate. Like, we're good here. And I remember Lowndes passed him and then he tried to go a lot deeper to stay with Lan- uh, stay with him and hit the fence at um, at the cutting, or at, just on the exit of the cutting, and bent the damper. So that was, um, that was game over then. But we still finished fifth, I think. Fifth? I'm checking the Sixth, result sheet. Fifth. Ninth. Ninth, okay. It's a six upside down. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I thought we were, um, we're, we're, we're in a good position anyway still with a car that was severely wounded and that was with a long time to go. I had to triple stint home with the damper on a on a banana, you know, and um, I thought that was a year to win. That was The car was fast and we were really fast from turn two to exit the chase. So um, in front they weren't going to pass because across the top you could gap. Mm. Down the bottom you could manage and I thought we had a really good – race car which is a little bit back to front with how you want a race car for Bathurst but the strengths we had were, were really strong so um yeah so that was 2010 and then 11 and 12 um yeah I think you know Will was very strong that year in 12 and uh I don't want to say the same name but Luke went off on the safety car in his uh, car at the race at the oh, no, sorry. so in 11 Luke was in Will's car and went off under the Eleven it car. was. Johnny Mack, Mack was in Johnny Will's Mack. car in 12. Yeah, right. so there was a little bit of a um, a tough run there where I thought we had really good cars as a team again, but a few of us were letting the team down. So um, so it was yeah interesting period there where the team probably were doing enough, but there were little factors that were, were costing us. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was tough, you know, like it's a, it's a tough run, like from a team point of view where they're, well, we've given you a fast car, it's on pole, why didn't we win? And the car didn't fail, but it's just that one little, 
you know, on the day, that's just Bathurst. And then um, do you move that chess piece the right way? We didn't and, mm. and um, bang, three years gone. And they were years where while you guys are ruining chances that weren't quite coming, those blokes from Brisbane had done three in a row, then they got that one in 10, Yep. then they got the one in 12. So they've put five on the board here as we go into 2013. See, I'm setting this up here. Yep. This, is, this is a bit of theatre. Dramatic, yep. You like it? It was good. <laughs> I like it. Was it like, yeah. Yeah. So I remember leading into that 13 race where it's the 10th anniversary or 10 years for you but also for FPR. You weren't with them when they started but you were both there at the same time. And it's the when are you going to. Like there's so many closes, close runs but not done as we've discussed on this, this podcast. So – Car of the Future is new then, so we've got a new platform for everyone to play with. Um, Richo's there with you again. And, and the thing to instantly go back to is that great fight you have with Wink Up. And you, you stood tall on the day to deliver it on the at the time and place. And Richo sort of was in the shadows, but his part of that was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went main game against yep. main games. But what's the – when all those elements of a day of winning Bathurst – is there one before, during, after that is the standout flick to moment in your brain? Because there's so many elements to a um, Bathurst win. What's well, it's the funny, one like, that sticks to mind? That year we probably should have won the championship too without – you can't say should have, could have, whatever, but I think we should have because we had eight races where we were in top two position and had cross-threaded wheel nuts. That was a cross-threaded wheel nut. Um, saga or yeah, well, I remember um, that. What was throughout that all the about? year. Well, um, the tolerance was slightly out on the wheel nut and every time the guys would do a pit stop, we'd cross thread and a three-second stop become a 12-second stop, come in first, go out 15th, work your way back up to 10th, boom, 100 points gone. Um, and the car was – that was probably the fastest car throughout a whole year we had um, in my time at – even though we won in 15, but like that 13 year with James Small and the crew and Jace Gray and all those guys, mm. um, the car was fast. So I knew once we sorted our stuff out, um, we could win Bathurst. Like I felt really confident about going there. But, uh, you know, the round before, in, we were in Texas a couple of rounds before, leading, coming first, went out. It was like, I remember Smalley picking up his laptop. Who, who would deal well with these things, James. Yeah, so he picked up his laptop and and politely placed it down. Um, but for some reason the screen smashed and all the buttons fell off. But so he put, with a little <laughs> bit of force. With a little bit yeah. of force. And I remember um, him and I remember seeing that going like, yeah, it's great, but it was the passion. He he's, he is an unbelievable engineer. And, um, you know, like we used to work in a way that you'd say, hey, James, I've got a bit of push here. He's like, mate, I can see it. I'm all good. Go home, have a sleep. I've got it, mate. Tomorrow you'll turn up as a good car. There's not many people can do that. So when you go to places like Bathurst, when you say what um, gives you the feeling you can win it, I had never slept so much at Bathurst in my life because you'd literally, because he is an ex-driver and an incredibly smart guy, James doing this, it's doing that. In his head, he sits in the car, drives it, right, I can understand it. Okay, mate, yep, we're good. And when he says, okay, you can go, we're good, he doesn't contact you. It's not like, oh, but what did you mean by the-? None of that. Go to dinner, go to bed. Go to dinner, go to bed. So um, Thursday night, we're good, yep, boom. Friday, we're good, yep, boom. Saturday, we're good, yep. But like it was just – and then Sunday morning, I remember feeling really nervous because I'm like, 
we could really win this. To Richo on the parade lap driving around going, we're going to win today, mate. I, I just I don't know why, but we're going to win today. I'm just And there'd never been that style of chat in not the previous that chat. years. No, not that chat. And then Smalley um, was like, yeah, we'll win today. Just as long as the, the pit stop, because the Tickford just actually bought 160 new wheel nuts. So they were very confident that that's not going to happen again. And, um, yeah, Richo, like you said, on that day, Faraday drove well. That's the best drive I've seen him do at Bathurst together um, because I think Smalley gave him the confidence he needed. Um, in himself, he knew we could win that day. And, um, yeah, it was pretty – so all those le- factors leading up give you the mindset that y- you can win here, you know. And, and when we went all day and mirrored it, um, you know, I thought, you know, we were within – two seconds of triple eight all day. We just needed one little opportunity and that was when Dumbrell went off mm-hmm. in the chase. Yeah. And Richo come through, boom, mistake free, nailed his laps. And with 66 to go, 67 to go, it was a two-man race. And they pitted, we'd pit a lap later. They'd pit, we'd pit a lap later. We just copied to a T every mm-hmm. – um, so it was, yeah, it was a big – you're talking 66 laps, which is like – Two hours, 45 minutes. It's a fair chunk of time. A massive head-to-head yeah. race between yeah. Winkup and I without throwing in the Richo Dumbrell head-to-head that happened. So it was probably a five-hour one-on-one car-v-car battle throughout the day to win that race. It was, yeah. But we just, yeah, all those lead-ups, don't know. Everyone says they're going to win in some ways. Smalley doesn't. Richo doesn't. They, they said it that day for a reason. They obviously knew that something was going to happen. Mm. They had that feeling and right or wrong, it um, it turned out right, didn't it? Did it make it a little bit sweeter that it was Wing Cup? Um, or is it just another guy in another car for the you, – you're just trying to win a race? It made it sweeter that they didn't fail, you know. Like if, if we were first and they were second and he blew an engine or something or ran out of fuel or whatever he's had, you know, over the years. He's had a few. He's, he's had a few. He's had a few. But you'd go – You'd always get that, yeah, but, well, what if? Mm. And, and we went head-to-head with the best team, with the best drivers and the um, for the biggest race and come out on top. So whether it was him or not, um, you know, don't have a personal thing against him going, oh, I'll beat you. But to go head-to-head against the best team for, like I said, five hours straight, no mistakes, you know, head-to-head with the best from the last decade, um, yeah, that means definitely means a lot. Mm. We saw last year Shane Van Gisbergen went a bit hard, let's just say, with his Bathurst winning celebrations <laughs> to the point where Garth had to kind of carry him through the Monday morning uh, morning show TV appearances. In 13, did you have a red-hot crack? <laughs> or know, did you play it very smart and very mature knowing that the next day you got it all that media, you probably had to do the Sydney trip. I yeah, think, it was big. Too. It yeah. was big. But... Um, you know, it's, it's funny and the, the best part about that celebration, what we did was um, we we had the house at Turn 1, so all the team stayed there. We had a fire and we all got had a few beers and sat around and spoke about the day and about what it means and it was it was not – you don't have to go to a club and <laughs> write yourself off. Beers, or, yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like it's actually nice to go into battle with your team and then celebrate with your team, you know, and family I had Renee there and the um, the boys were were young then, like I had two very young boys and um, we sat around the fire and it was it was really 
really cool just to chat about the day and um, I think a few of us filled the trophy up and drank out of it and did the, you know, all the – that was as wild as it got. That's expected. Yeah. But, um, but no, and then Monday, it's mind-blowing that 6.30 a.m., boom, the radio's on and this and that and, and then it doesn't end until Tuesday night. Like it's mm. <laughs> two days mm. of solid. It was like – it's a it's, big. It's yeah. joyful pain. Yeah, it's big, but um, but yeah, didn't write itself off. We um, we went pretty low key and enjoyed the, enjoyed it the next morning. Remembered it the next yeah, morning. Helpful. I guess. We've <laughs> <laughs> spoken to a lot of guys over the years about. Um, I think this was something I spoke about with Garth. That the win is so special to you because it's the thing you're trying to do. It's kind of the top tier achievement that you could have in the game, apart from winning the championship. But the thing that really struck him later on in time was that what it meant to other people, him mm. being a Bathurst winner, whether it's your family, the people who helped you along the way, the the sponsor that chipped in 100 bucks for you to help go go-karting or uh, all of those people you meet along the way. Did it hit you afterwards and probably in the years since that what it meant to other people, you know, Ford fans who would still follow you even though you, you drive for the other side now and you're in a different team, but – they remember where they were that day that you won Bathurst and finally won. I mean, ha- the impact it has on other people, let alone the impact it has on you. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm quite an unselfish person, so I, I don't ever just think about what it does to you. Like I, I do, um, I guess that's part of being a dad and all that sort of stuff. You give more time to others than you do, I guess, to yourself. So I guess that um, that day to see the crew, like because they'd gone through – like I said, they don't leave. When they have a bucket list thing to tick, they are invested in that until it until it happens, you know. And to see, um, you know, guys like Tooley who had been on nonstop and, and like in tears and they're the blokiest blokes you ever meet. And Chris you know? O'Toole had been there since the team had started 10 yeah, years earlier. Yeah, like it's, um, it's full on, you know, like to see the crew and then Richo and then um, – you know your family and and yeah it was it was pretty special so um it was really cool and then yeah um people who support you like they don't there's some people who want to just hang around winners and there's others that absolutely believe in you and um you know support you all the way and you know guys like actor on air and um you know to win with you know them there and it's special and then um orcon who (laughs) had Mm. supported us for years and gone through some heartache um you know, their big slogan was we'll see it through and that was like part of that. So like all these people, like you say, um, are so not just a win but they believe in you and treat you with such respect that they see what it means and, mm. and um, you know, they're, they're part of it. So And then, yeah, Ford fans, um, you know, they still talk about it when you go and see people. Like they were copping a bit of a battering uh, from Holden at the mountain for a few years there. So Ford, they wanted a Ford win and, um, you know, all the Tickford fans and FBR fans and, um, yeah, friends and family. Yes, it's, it's a big thing. But, um, you know, you don't really – I don't think you realise until you finish because when you're racing, you, you kind of – it's really weird to say, but, like, even when you win Bathurst, you do your promos and whatever after – but then Gold Coast is two weeks later mm. and I'm like, okay, so right, what, what do we need? Like it's going to be curb ride at thing. And and you can't just go on a bender and forget about the rest of the season. So you, I don't, it's a really fun – I think it's one of those things that you know what it means and, and yeah, you love it. But then it's when you retire, you might go, hey, 
far out. How good was that day? And then you go and catch up with Richo for a coffee to talk about something or because you're always thinking about the next race. Mm. You don't have a long time to pause and um, and to the point where we actually celebrated that Bathurst win. We threw a party at home, but it was in December because I was like, right, can we get through the year and just, um, you know, we, we had mm. a celebration had all the team and crew and family and it was like a thank you more than a look what we've done. It's it's, yeah. you know, it's it's a funny funny feeling of if I explain that properly, it's more. No, a, I get it. Yeah, it's more a thank you to everyone for believing in you and hard work and support. Then we did it. It's it's a, it's a really weird mindset until you retire. I think you then become that old bloke that says, "Oh, I was good back then, and I did this <laughs> and did that." So mindset's a bit different when you're still in battle. Yeah, and there's only two the two drivers that get to stand on that podium, whereas there's 20, 30, 40, 50 people who have contributed to that result on the day, that week, that year, building your car, building your dampers, driving the truck to get there, all of that. Like yep. it's if you actually sat there and whiteboarded it out, you'd need another whiteboard Correct. to be able to, to go through that list. So it's so much more a team game than it looks to the Joe Blow watching on, on TV at the end of the day. But So the following year, it's another win for the team, but it's the Chaz and Dude win. If you don't get bumped by Lowndes and, you know, it's all if buts and babies, there's another one that probably gets away there. So if you're not spinning on the run-up mountain straight, you're the one pushing Wing Cup to run it and he ran out. Yeah. So, so, so on, like on that day I was leading. Because hadn't he yeah. run off the road under the safety car? No, so I was leading, um, I was leading the race at the safety car restart, but we were not we, – we had fuel – a bit more than him. Mm. So I actually let him pass because I was going to tell him because we would save more fuel mm. being behind mm. him. So I actually let him pass. Oh, down um, the bottom of Conrad? Down the bottom. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, remember? When everyone says, oh, what a move. He got you. Yeah, what a move. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I'm, I'm thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah. so you, you could save um, – it was quite a percentage back then through drafting. So um, all I had to do was sit on him, know he was going to run out and – but you never like saying that, and it's all hindsight. Mm. But um, he only ran out with half to go, so it wasn't a given, you know. Like mm. he, it was tight. It was tight. So, but we had our calcs and trust in the team that let him go, save fuel, and then I would have enough to push to the end, like um, like Chaz kind of did, you know. So um, yeah, and it turned around. But you know, things happen, and um, it is what it is. But to see Chaz. Uh, and the team still win, felt like a win, you know, like it's still, although personally it's not a great result for, for us, it's um, to see Chaz win, I've still felt like I won. It was, a, it was a really cool feeling to see him again battle it out, you know. He, he drove his backside off and they were lapped down at one point yeah, and he... They started um, last. Yeah, he, uh, he drove his backside off um, and, you know, safety cars fell into place and he kept taking fuel and... It, it just was scripted for for him. Like, you know. He couldn't write that script. No. Like, and, it's insane. And that place and, just is crazy. But when it come time and it needed to be done, he got it done. So, mm. um, you know, it's not one that you ever look back on and and have regret or whatever. Like, I felt like I felt like I won. When I come in, I gave him a massive hug. I was like, I'm so glad you won because I would have felt hard done by if I got turned around by a team and then that team goes on and wins. Yeah. I would have been... That, then I would have been angry, but to see him come through, it um, it was nice. It's not a stat to me, but it was a stat to the team, so it was, it was good to see. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? 
Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. This was a great period for this team, the Pepsi Max crew era. So for 15 is your championship winning year. It's the FGX, so a little bit of a tweak to that thing. But it gave you what you needed in the right places to suddenly have the package to, as you said, like 13 you had probably the best chance over the year, but then it gave you this package. Tell me about FGX and what it did, what it did to the car, because you actually drove the same chassis year on year. It just looked a bit different. Um, Yeah, it's funny, like the way the, the aero testing works and all that sort of stuff. There was no fudging going on, of no, course. No, none of this ever. Well, we, it never happens. We um, actually, in all honesty, they, you know, Tickford always turned up legit. Like they, they didn't fudge it, and that's that's honest. Hand on As heart. the Ford homologation As the Ford team, homologation, they would, they would rock up, and whatever happens there happens, and, you know, what whatnot. And the, the sport, I think, do a really good job of, um, you know, keeping an eye on it and all that sort of stuff. But we went there thinking this is what, we need and and with an aero package and Ford played a part with their CFD and all that sort of stuff. So we knew kind of what we wanted. Um, but when we got there, they said, oh, you're deficient by whatever. And um, boom, we put this, I think we put the Nissan wing on it and it was like, okay, you're close now. And that's kind of how it worked out. So the aero we went with um, was less than what, what we actually got, which matched the Commodore and and um, the Nissan back then. So it was – but then, you know, also the team were doing a lot of work. It wasn't just an aero kit that did it. That didn't the, just magically Yeah, the cars it, yeah. the cars were good, but um, we had a little bit of nervousness, nervousness under brake, so the, the transition to the FGX kind of cleared all that up. So um, – and then I had Jason Gray, who was my data engineer for seven years or eight years um, when Shippy left, um, who Grant McPherson left. And then he stepped up to be my engineer for the first time in 15. But again, someone who had worked with me for eight years, he knew one of the smartest blokes you ever meet in your life. He knew that if that squiggle on that line did this, it's doing that. So he, him and I were, um, were were so in sync that, again, not a racer, but knew my lines, my data, me as a person. Knew so, what he was looking at. So 15, roll out, new engineer, third one in three years, Smalley left in 13, Shipper left in 14. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. They all got poached. Um, and then 15, Jay. So a bit going on at the team but still, um, yeah, still finding our feet. But, yeah, the FGX was we rolled out round one and straight away um, felt good, you know. I thought we were, we're on for a good year. There was – like, because I think we went sprint racing a bit more often that year. They do the two short, sharp ones on a, a Saturday um, from memory in that format. So you and Chaz got a really good run on in the first half of that year. You won Sandown with Steve Owen and then you were second at Bathurst, but that didn't come without – that was kind of a big result. Okay, it's not a win, but there was dramas that day, wasn't there? We had yeah. to keep power cycling it to keep it alive and keep it rolling. You could have easily dumped – a pile of points there that yeah. suddenly make that championship not look as good. Yeah, that was um, one of the best wins without winning. Like it was the best second place you're probably best ever going to get. Place. Yeah. Um, to the point, I think there was like seventy laps to go, and we're twenty fourth because we got black flagged. Had to serve our black flag because 
the power box, we had no brake lights. And with our brake lights or no tail lights, instant um, instant meatball flag. So um, so I got black flagged, but you can serve, you can take three laps to serve a black flag. True, yep. So we weren't in our window. So three laps was three laps was, was good. So this is where the team were on it. Like I think that period, they knew the rules. They knew they were very clever. Like so, Jace, yep, we've got a black flag. Righto, give us two laps and then come in because then we'll hit our window. So he, very clever, very clever. In bang, power box out, new um, console, complete console in, rewire, go out. We're twenty fourth. Like I think we we're third and we went twenty fourth. So. 70-something laps to go, over half the race done and um, pretty well starting for last. It's not, it's all, <laughs> it's not a good it's picture. It's a new race. Yeah, new race. And, uh, and it rained. So then we were 24th. I think we were oh, like 35 seconds off the lead or whatever it was um, to the point where – and this is where the 07 stuff and all the, all the things you learn, this was when I put probably the most ever into play – ever at Bathurst and it was greasy and I said, right, I'm in for slicks and they're like, no, 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 no one's in. Um, I remember Van Gisbergen just did a 16. It's not ready. The crossover's not here. It's not here. Not. I said, I'm coming in for slicks. You need a, We need to take a risk and this, I'm Here's cool. a chance. I know what it feels like. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, ex- it. I've experienced it. I'm coming in for slicks. Jay's like, boom, okay, in we come because I wanted to generate heat for when that dry line come, we were gone. And then coming for slicks, first lap was like 21, then it was a 19, then it was a 16, then it was a 12, then it was a 10. And they were all belting around because no one knew where I was because I was that far down. So far back, yeah. To the point where they went, oh, he's coming. They reacted and I almost passed lands up mountain straight to lead the race because they reacted quite late. Um, then a safety car come out and we needed fuel in hand and all this sort of stuff. They they had fuel on us, but that got me from 24th to second and then we drove off and finished second in the race. Like that was – you got to take risk at Bathurst at the right time and that was the risk that um, I don't think I'd make that mistake in 07 because I drove that way in 15 with those gremlins of, hey, don't do this, don't do that, um, you know, carry over. So that was – and Lance went on to win it. That was two hundred and fifty point turnaround um, with slicks, and there was a couple of massive lockups down the hill, and it was pushing, but um, it got us back in the race. And mm. what would have been a championship lead to a championship deficit, um, it and, was it was big. And then that changes the mentality for the next round. A couple of rounds to go. Yeah, it, yep. it changes it all around. But it, if there was a, yeah, as you said, if there was the best second place of your life you could have. Yeah, that's probably it when you look back through all of the the podiums over the time. So the championship gets done in Sydney. So you, you, you got the you got the two bits that matter. You got a you got a Bathurst win. You got a championship win. So they can't say yeah, but he's won that one, but he hasn't done that one, or or, or vice versa. The feeling of finally winning that. I mean, was it the same as finally winning Bathurst, or was it a little bit different? Uh, well, Bathurst is funny because it's like, and I've realised it's not over till five. 30 p.m. It's like literally win all day, lead all day, lead all day. But oh, where'd this come from? Oh, where's my trophy gone? Like it, <laughs> it can, it can, and it can go the other way. So you can be nothing all day and win, like 24th to second, like we just said, and you're a chance of winning. So it's very instant emotion as opposed to drawn out. 
where you go 25 people, okay, we're all going to win the championship. Okay, it's 24 now, it's 20, it's 15, it's 10, it's five. Oh, it's just you and I now and it's right. it's battle. You know, all I've got to focus on is beating you and that's it's a process of elimination as he goes on. It's a, it's a weird way to, to go racing but um, but to know that, uh, you know, that, that home bush, that was – that was big. And you, you look at all the turnarounds throughout the year and whatnot and that Bathurst stands out and, you know, how you kept yourself in the fight and kept the lead. It's a it's a really cool thing to win the championship. Like I think Bathurst is luck, skill, everything going right, whatever, to executing going to Darwin, going to Adelaide, go to Bathurst, go Sandown, go to summer, go to winter, go to snow, go to rain. Go to, like you've got to do everything right for 12 months to – to win it and I feel like that was like a not as emotional instant emotion but I feel more rewarding than Bathurst if I like and mm. some people everyone looks at it different ways but um yeah to win that was was I was really proud and then to put number one on the door like it's a big which which surprises me why people don't want to put number one on because like running one is like what you did in go-karts, you ran the green plate. It's like <laughs> something that you can run that not everyone can because it's something you've earned. You haven't been given it, you've earned it. And that number one going on the door was like one of the, like one of the proudest moments I've had in this sport. One of the ripping the number one off the door is one of the saddest <laughs> moments of this sport. But um but yeah, I, I feel that championship was um like it means a lot, you know, it meant a lot to win that one. That period we, we just discussed before, that 13, 14, 15, the team wins either Bathurst or the championship in, in those years. But then things looked like they just got harder straight away. Like it was like that period just went clunk, 16. So you become the bottle bloke after yep. being a Pepsi bloke. So you're, you're a beverage man no matter what <laughs> in, this, in this period. What changed there? What did the team do wrong? Did everyone step up? I've never stopped to sort of ponder that until now, but it felt like, if we looked at that window of 12 to 15 was that real sweet spot and then it just got hard mm-hmm. after that. What changed? Why? Looking back, um, what, do you, what do you reckon? You know, there's um, there's about 80 people at Tickford and it's you do get reasonable turnover and we did have like, you know, Smalley, probably the best engineer this pit lane's ever seen. He's gone. You see, um, you know, pe- people move shippy. It went so every time you lost someone, didn't necessarily go to the opposition, but you know, say someone like Shippy, they go well, straight to the opposition. Triple eight, yeah. Um, so you do lose people. It's not a team's never one person, but when you do lose a few, um, you know, things happen. You try to replace, and then they come in with a different mindset, and sometimes you've got to find your feet. So although you you can win in December, often how you roll the carrot in February is reinvented, and like it's bizarre the sport, and then. To the point where you, you can go back to a setup. You know, like if we say you win, and we've done it before at Tickford, say you win Perth in, in 08, we went back in 09, tried the same setup. It was so much slower than the current setup we were running, but you won all three and dominated. It doesn't, yeah. the sport moves that quick. Mm. Um, other teams stepped up, they inherited some personnel that they needed to fill some gaps. And did we, maybe we went backwards a whisker and others went forward, and you just, in that gap again, but I still feel in sixteen um, we were we were going okay. Like we were leading the championship at one point. Still, um, I had Jace Gray still on the car. We won 
a pretty epic race in Perth, which I was a that, yeah. yeah, which yeah. was a two stop race. Um, we won in New Zealand. It wasn't like nine wins in fifteen and however many Chaz had and Poles and Reynolds and you know, it wasn't as dominant as that, but we're still there. I think we're fifth in the points or whatever it was. Um and we we're leading at one point. We had a bad couple of rounds and then we come good again. So um so not as dominant, but for those factors, you know, like finding your feet, team step up, um, you gotta fill gaps and kind of just how it plays out. Mm. Keeping on the Bathurst train, so 16, the year that you drive the scariest demo lap of your life, <laughs> Peter Brock Sierra before the start of that race. So that that was the black bottle okay. That, black that was one? Yep. breaks, I think, when it Yeah, that one. so um we actually so we had a few dramas that people again wouldn't see, but um we had ninety percent throttle, so the throttle cable stretched on my car and Chaz's car. So um, instead of having 100% throttle, which is obviously when your foot's <laughs> put your buried, foot, it's flat, yeah. we had 90% throttle to the point where it kept stretching and it went um, 100%, 95, 80, uh, sorry, 90, 90, uh, 85 and got to 80% throttle when actually went off at 80% throttle. But we were, we were leading the race because the fuel that I was saving at 80% <laughs> throttle was huge. So we could do stints where the people thought we were cheating. They're like, how can you do a 26-lap stint? Stretch your cable. Yeah, you could do <laughs> um, amazing things. But So we were leading that race um, because everyone had to pit. It was that race where McLaughlin and um, there was a bit going on. So, um, But we were never going to win it because when it come time to go 23 to go and it's a sprint race, you ain't going to win a race at 80% throttle. So... We were doomed, and then the the actual brake rotor exploded, and um, yeah, jumped on the brake at the chase, and uh, yeah, foot to the floor, and and round she went. So the front rotor exploded, rear lock, and two eighty k spun out. I'd do two ninety if I had hundred percent throttle, yeah. but it was like, <laughs> so I won't put GSC on. It was probably two seventy. Such a race driver. Yeah, probably two seventy. Um, backwards in the chase, and she was all over. It's been a common held theory among our pit lane and our paddock and our little supercars world. We love retro liveries. They stand out. They get great PR in the lead up. They remind us of amazing drivers, amazing races, amazing cars. But I don't know what it is. They just don't win. And so 17, your bikes go back with another Moffat livery. So they've done it for the 50-year celebration race. In 2017, of course, it's the uh, 40th anniversary of Moffat and Bond with that famous one-two form finish. And again, retro does not work. It doesn't work. So I think <laughs> I think you were off at the elbow late in that race and that was a DNF. So as much as we love the – and look, I love retro more than anyone. <laughs> it just doesn't win. It just does barely ever get a win. If it was as simple as the stickers on the car. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. But it's funny, like in 16, again, um, like my comment before, you get success. So 15 we won. 16, we race. Jay's great, got a family, doesn't want to work weekends and achieve what he wanted to achieve. And, um, yeah, he was a massive loss because to me, um, I try every week to get him back, even now. Like if he comes back, I'm, I'm you know, in, to work with me because um, he, uh, him and I had something pretty special in, in relationship and um, – He's very, very clever and not to say replace someone here but just to add mm. to here. Um, you know, he he uh, I try every week, hey, you going, mate? You miss racing? You know, he – so he was a big loss in 16 and I, I didn't get what I needed in 17 um, to, to be competitive. You know, I think, you know, 
whatever factors and whatever reasons, but um, I didn't get what I needed. So it was a tough year. But then, um, you know, going there in 17 with the retro car was really cool because before that I actually got to sit down with Moff and Bond to chat about the 77-1-2. And, um, you know, Big Al is a, a guy that have a lot of respect for and um, I wouldn't say really close with, but someone who's always had an eye out for me and kept an eye out and and doesn't say a lot but offers so much advice and wisdom. He can talk for a small bit, but it's all gold, you know, and he's one of those guys. So um, I sat down and chatted to him to the point where he actually got quite emotional and teared up a bit about mm. um, because I think a lot of yeah, those guys, you, you, you chat to them as appreciation because they set this sport up for all the guys coming through without Moff and Brock and, you know, there's not supercars. Like they are the, mm. the, the pioneers, the you know, yeah. they're, they're it. So, um, and when you tell them that and, and respect them and show them appreciation, they're actually, Moff, who's probably one of the hardest blokes publicly that you see, he's probably one of the most caring, you know, gentle um, people you've met. And it was really cool to chat to him and actually you know, run his colours and it was it was a really proud moment but the result was not a proud moment <laughs> of how we ended up. But, um, uh, yeah, really cool to sort of live on the history of what, you know, of what he had created. Retro, don't do it. Just, just steer away. <laughs> just if they, if, if your PR guy ever says, hey, we're going to do a retro livery for Bathurst, just tell him. History's there to be broken. Just, just mate, let, so. We're going to make our own history with the Dewalt <laughs> crowd this year, mate. Um so then 18 your last year at, at Tickford before you moved to Charlie's and I think you and Dean Cantor, we should mention Dino was your, yep. your partner in those couple of years there in that last few years at, at Tickford. I think you're 12th in, in 18 and sort of that one doesn't really stick in my mind as a, you know, oh, wow, what could have been or here, what, where, why, how. So then you move on. So when you look back at that Tickford era, I mean, you are the dominant um, guy in their history. You were there for so long. You're the only champion that they've had. You won Bathurst their first. No matter where you go, what you do, you are a part of the history of that place like nobody else. So looking at the way then, could you have left earlier? Would it have been better to try to move on or because you weren't getting the bits that you needed or was it a case that there was nowhere better to go? Talk to me about that little period because it uh, kind of just sort of just went away. Yeah, it's funny like um, – uh, um, I'm pretty like I'm very loyal to the point where um, even contracts I don't you have to get them right. But if someone shakes your hand and does a deal, deal done. Whether you like Good it enough. or not, um, you know I'll I'll do it. So, um, but you know I love my time at Tickford and and FPR and um, but you know the the guys that we and team that we had over the years. You know like like I said, Clint Wilson, um, you know Smalley, Shippy, Jace Gray. Um, Brad with shoes, like the the crew there. Maddie, who is now team manager, um, started as number one on my car. Like, well, actually, he was there before I got there. But they're an unbelievable group. So what what's hard to leave Tickford is the the brotherhood or or like the bond that you have with the crew because they are some of the best people that you, you ever get to work with, and um, it's very hard. But there's a point where um, you know things happen and in in 17 18 I didn't feel like I had what I needed to win and I don't race for money I race for opportunity and to win to be honest and there was a point where you ask and then you can't just live off profile I just want to 
I want to get results. So you never wanted to just sort of filter away and just be the guy that could generate sponsorship on a car and kind of thing. You're just and then, there because you can be there. Yeah, of. and and um, it's no disrespect to Tickford or anything, but it kind of was time for both of us to say, hey, you know what, um, we're at a point where you go, do your thing, I, I want to go and race for Charlie because um, it was nice that, like anything, we all, you know, we all work and unfortunately sport's in the spotlight, but you work and some days you go to work when your boss is like, hey, we love you, you're doing a good job, life's good. That stops a little bit and then another boss comes over and goes, oh, hey, I'd really like you and um, your phone rings a bit more <laughs> and there's love. It's uh, it's just how life is, isn't yeah, it? But, yeah. but sport is under the microscope. So, um, you know, I, I was at a point where I thought, what Charlie was offering and what I could contribute here was more than, or here as in Team 18, um, was more than what I could do at Tickford because my time was probably up. I'd, um, you know, helped Chaz um, when he was young and he was definitely doing his thing. He was kicking goals. He was um, driving unbelievable. And then Cam, you know, saw him young and um, he's one of the best drivers you'll see out there as well. And so Tickford had good group. Um, and yeah, the, the decision was done and it's hard because there's always emotions, you know, like whether if they want you or they're forced to have you or whatever. Um, but there's a point we just got to look and say, Hey, we had 13 really good years and, um, you know, we had a lot of fun and great results. And like I said, that the team behind you was unbelievable and had a good time and it was just time. Like it was time to go. I, I don't think earlier would have been better. Like, um, I think the time was right and it's all sort of worked out. Well, that's where we'll leave this episode of the podcast right now. And it's a pretty appropriate place to end things, isn't it? Because Frosty talking about finishing up with Tickford Racing, we finish up part two. And normally you would all be disappointed right now because that means you'd have to wait a week for part three. But I've got good news. You don't have to wait at all for the third and final part of my chat with Mark Winnebon. It's available now. So jump on in and press on with more tales from one of the stars of Supercars Racing. On part three, this is a little snapshot. We talk about his recent history at Bathurst and why it hasn't gone so well, about how sweet that win was at Hidden Valley in Darwin in 2023. Not just what it meant to him, but what it meant to those around him and people on his team who had never even been to the podium, let alone won a Supercars Championship race. And we also look ahead to the races this year, to Sandown and Bathurst, and he pinpoints the number one variable that he thinks will be under the most pressure at the big endurance races this year. Right, you better get to it. Part three's ready for you. Part two's done. Thanks for tuning into the V8 Sleuth podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care. I look forward to you joining me for the final part of my chat with Mark Frosty Winterbottom. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars. Unforgettable. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, 
and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.